What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Ringside Rundown podcast brought to you by TWM.News and the Wrestling Chronicle. My name is Eric Vasquez, and joining me on the line is my podcasting partner in crime. Yes, that rhymes. She is Shay Hickson. Shay, what's going on? Uh, not much. Just uh, I'm kind of looking at my phone a little bit because the Penguins are playing right now. So I'm always going to be uh, like, yes, we, we, yeah. we move on to hockey. Yeah, that, since both of us are like, football's done now, so we don't yeah. care anymore. Sorry about that. I was I was watching the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was uneventful. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it was painful. Yeah, I bet as a painful. fan, yes, it was painful. I thought we we had a chance. Um, the seven to nothing lead was nice while it lasted for all of five seconds, <laughs> and then yeah. And then that was yeah. it. But I I wasn't really surprised, but I've been in hockey mode since hockey started. So Good. it was kind Good. of just you have that. Yeah. 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 Contrary to believe this is not a uh, sports podcast. This is a professional wrestling podcast <laughs> right. where Shay and I speak about what's going on in the world of world wrestling entertainment and all elite wrestling. Uh, we recap everything that's going on segment by segment, give you our thoughts, and so on and so forth. So for the new listener, if you're if this is your first time checking the show out, buckle up, get comfortable, yeah. and uh, get ready for our hot takes. Uh, oh, yes. start- we, do, we do have those occasionally. We, and... we occasionally have some good takes, you know. Yeah. Uh, but with, with WWE, and I said this in our pre-production meeting, uh wwe especially this week a lot of it was forget like forgettable mm-hmm. uh, a lot of throwaway segments and it's it's something you wouldn't expect you know we're uh less than two weeks away from the royal rumble you i know, know one of the biggest even the, maybe the second biggest pay-per-view of the year and i hate that because i've said it time and time again the Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view WWE always puts on because of the surprises. And what are we doing this year? We're getting rid of all the surprises. Like, <laughs> I hate this because now I think for the Women's Rumble, we know all but like nine. I think they said there's 21 out of 30 now mm-hmm. because they put Liv and Bianca in it. I I don't want to have to like rehash this all over again because I feel like we've yelled about it enough the last two weeks. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's stupid. Like, who are the nine people? You know they're going to be NXT people, probably. That's it. Yeah. Because you already... You brought well, the part-timers Oscar in. Oscar comes back. I'm hoping yeah. Oscar comes back. That's Maybe Alexa, point. but it's almost like that's not even really a surprise because we kind of are seeing her doing the therapy thing. Yeah. So that would have been that would have been a cool surprise if you just came back unannounced. Much like Oscar, but now it's like... You're just expecting that the other nine are going to be... NXT girls because you already have the part-timers announced already like I don't understand what the point of this is are you guys hurting that much for views that you have to spoil your entire entire field for the rumble basically just to get people to watch yeah I if, mean I'm if that's you. the case I'm... maybe get a better product I don't know like <laughs> who would have thought I'm with you, I'm with you. I, I, I would much rather a lot of those people be be surprises unannounced rather than ruining it but you know we're not wwe but uh this uh this week on raw we started off with a women's match a women's tag team match Dewdrop and becky lynch teaming up to take on bianca belair and Liv morgan 
wasn't really much to the match. I, of course, love any interaction that uh, Bianca Belair has because she's one of my favorites in WWE. Yep. She just, for me, I don't know. Like, she just defies all logic because she doesn't come from a, a wrestling background or anything mm-hmm. like that. She comes from a, a really athletic sports background and, and collegiate athlete. Um, all types of awards there, but the, to see her transition into wrestling, it's almost reminded me of like Kurt Angle, yeah. uh, just coming in and dominating wrestling, just getting the hang of it right off the right off the bat. Uh, but again, she teamed up with Liv Morgan. Uh, this match it was okay. Lynch hit the manhandle slam, uh, but Dewdrop attacked her and tagged herself in so she can get the pin instead. Uh, this wasn't anything special. The promos, like you said, women are announcing that they're going to be in the Royal Rumble. Those were fine, but the match was, I guess, a little lackluster for me. Yeah, the match was really okay. It was a little sloppy, which is a shame because when you have talented women like these four, because they're all insanely talented, mm-hmm. you expected a little more, and it was just, it was just odd. It was almost yeah. like. I'm pretty sure, like, Dewdrop forgot to, like, tag herself in. Yeah. So she had to go back and tag herself in before, like, it's... Guys, come on. That's, like... That's almost AEW-level stuff right there. Yeah, that's, like, easy stuff that you're not supposed to screw up. But, I don't know. It was just... It was fine. It wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't good either. It could (laughs) have... It could have been better than it was. For me, it it didn't do anything to elevate Becky Lynch's match with with Dewdrop at the Royal Rumble, other than yeah. Dewdrop attacking her to get the pin. That's fine, but I mean, yeah. I would have much rather have seen something a little bit more. I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Substantial. But I yeah, maybe substantial is the right word. I would have looking for something a little bit more substantial to to elevate that this is a major match. That is on the Royal Rumble because Dewdrop, usually when you're going up for the title, you can't enter the Royal Rumble or you don't enter the Royal Rumble. There's been times where it has happened, but usually mm-hmm. when you're going for the title, that means that's your one match of the night. So this is a pretty big match for Dewdrop, probably the biggest match in her WWE career, and they really didn't do anything for it with this tag match. Do you want to know why? Why is that? Because it's not a major match to them. Yeah, to them, yes. It's, it's not literally to them. It is not a major. Ma- it is literally just we need some time between Becky and whoever her next major opponent's going to be. And Dewdrop was literally the only one available. So here we go. Which is a shame because Dewdrop, Piper Niven, Piper Niven <laughs> is so much better than they are showing right now. And it makes mm-hmm. me very upset. And it's sad that they're treating her as basically just a stepping stone. That's what this match is. Which is a shame mm-hmm. because, like you said, the Royal Rumble is easily the second largest pay-per-view of the year. Mm-hmm. And they're when women's title match is literally just a who cares match because they don't care. They're literally just waiting for whoever's going to challenge Becky next. Which is a shame, too, because I, you know I love Becky. Becky's one of my favorite women's wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So it's just a shame that they're just making this seem like it's not a big deal because they're not giving us a reason to make it a big deal. Yeah, who would have thunk that a Becky Lynch match would be given that sort of treatment? Yeah, um, I, I hate it. Yeah, it's just not fun. Uh, but moving on, we had a special Kevin Owens show with special guest Seth Rollins. This was a pretty funny exchange between the two. Um, you know, Kevin Owens announced that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. So there goes that. 
Then yeah. his opponent for the night, Damian Priest, comes out, tries them both, and before revealing his match with KO would begin immediately after commercial break. So the match was pretty standard. Again, it wasn't it wasn't excellent. It wasn't blow your socks off. It could have been uh, a lot was, more physical. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a good uh, astute observation for that. It could have been a little bit more physical because there wasn't uh, a ton of you know big moments in the match that were noteworthy to make you go wow this was a good match and and that's something you would you would expect when you have uh Damian Priest going up against Kevin Owens because that usually doesn't happen um KO faked the leg injury hit the stunner for the pin and he earned himself a future U.S. title shot yeah which to this recap here I was not expecting that honestly I mean Damian's been as silly is like his character change has been he really has been on a tear for a while so are we gonna see ko win the u.s title uh, maybe ko you wins the u.s title and damian priest moves up to the main event scene i hope so because i mean damian definitely could do it that'd be pretty cool that just shows like maybe they found something in damian priest like they 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 have that untapped potential there because he he is a little bit more advanced in age than most of the roster, but he just yeah. he, he seems to have put it all together from his time coming from Ring of Honor to WWE. I mean, and NXT as well, where he dominated as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, good for him. But yeah, it, it's interesting that they might go to KO maybe winning the U.S. title. And uh, who's to say maybe Seth Rollins wins the Universal title defeating Roman Reigns and then he said he's going to bring it back to Raw and then they can continue that little... uh, It's almost like this generation's version of the two-man power trip like Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Right. You know, where they were holding all the the gold and dominating the shows. Uh, But who's to say? I don't know. But uh, again, like you said, this match could have just been a little bit more physical. Again, KO picks up the win and earns himself a future United States title shot. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'd be okay with it if Damien goes up to the main event scene. And like you said, the Rollins and Owens' is like exchanges lately have been just funny to watch. Yeah. I don't know what it is. They have that kind of um, chemistry. So if they both had gold, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But you never know. Yeah, we saw a physical confrontation uh, between Alpha Academy and RK Bro, uh, where RK Bro gets the upper hand and puts on the cap and gown because this was a graduation ceremony for all Otis. Uh, and then we get Finn Balor versus Austin Theory, uh, another match that was pretty good, nothing really noteworthy, uh, except for the the end where Theory avoided the coup de gras and hits the rolling dropkick uh, before finishing off Finn Balor with the ATL and picking up the win. So, again, <sighs> obviously with Austin Theory aligning himself with Vince McMahon and having these segments with Vince McMahon, they obviously something big in Austin Theory, and they give him a win against Finn Balor. Which is honestly a shame, because I did see, um, I'm pretty sure yesterday, I was I always try to look at uh, Cage Side Seats rumors just to mm. see, and <laughs> the one that I saw blew my mind was Vince doesn't see anything in Finn Balor. He just thinks he's mid-card filler, basically, because he's just a, basically a flippy guy and isn't that special. That's crazy. And it's like, <laughs> what are you looking at? Like, I don't... Uh, I don't know. 
That's crazy. I mean, for me, Finn Balor would be a great underdog babyface. Yeah. You know, he'd be Honestly. a great underdog babyface that you could put in the main event scene. Definitely carry a title. And we already know he can be a great cocky heel. Because yes. he was a great cocky heel in NXT. And he was a great cocky heel before he got to the WWE uh, when he was um, Prince Devitt. Mm-hmm. You know, and Prince Devitt Bullet Club was like the cockiest that you can get and it was oh, yeah. so and it worked so good it just how can you how can you go against a guy that looks like Finn Balor a former Armani model yeah. you know you know yeah look at the guy he 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 talks it and he backs it up yeah so, i mean it's because he's not 7 foot 10 500 yeah. pounds that's why that's literally yeah. why which is I mean, dumb and it is dumb. I get it because they think they think their ultimate goal is to get us to go ooh and ah, and they think that we go ooh and ah for someone like the size of Omas. And no. yeah, while at the time, at first, it's like ooh and ah that very, very almost all the time uh, gets old really quick. Especially you know? when you don't have any substance behind it. Looks mm-hmm. aren't everything. You kind of right. have to actually. Oh, I don't know. In wrestling, you have to oh wrestle. You know, that's the and, and that, that silly was, thing. That was my next point. I think what WWE, where they missed the boat, is they don't realize that maybe this generation of WWE fan would really like some some sport, some yeah. athleticism, yeah. some ring psychology, and explaining of wrestling storylines and psychology the way it was in the early nine, early to mid nineties yeah. that we grew up on. Yeah, who would have thought? Know, <laughs> you know. We grew up on on that sort of deal, um, and that's what kind of got us into wrestling. I think that's what's missing. I think WWE wants to make it a spectacle, but they don't yeah. realize they can make it a spectacle with using athletic sport. Yeah, and, they're going about it the wrong way. Right, and who's more athletic than Finn Balor? Yeah, you know? like that. that's the guy that everyone goes ooh and ah over because of the stuff he does in the ring, besides mm-hmm. the fact that he looks like... A Greek god, basically. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 strange. Their 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 mode of operations is very strange. Oh, you could very say strange. that. Uh, moving on to very strange. This one's kind of weird for me. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus <laughs> Nikki Ash. Um, I'm, the reason I think this is a little weird. Obviously, of course, this is another thing that they didn't give any time to. Nope. Um, Why would they? They didn't give any time to. This wasn't even really a match. Just was a throwaway segment. But like you said last week, it's interesting that Nikki A.S.H. is the one playing up the heel. And it's, I think it's just not, I feel like it's not working for a lot of people because everyone, mostly everybody knows that Rhea would absolutely squish Nikki like a bug Mm -hmm. in any other situation. So Mm -hmm. they had to make it look like Nikki had a chance and this just better end with Rhea just destroying her absolutely just demolishing her running her over because what purpose would it give for Nikki because everybody no one uh how do I word it? I'm not gonna say no one cares about Nikki no one's invested in Nikki mm-hmm. ASH nobody nobody that I know of anyway again if you know if anybody is invested in Nikki ASH let us know something let us know and let us know why like we always say we try to get everybody's opinions especially the ones that differ from ours because we we just don't see it 
yeah, we don't see it, but somebody else could see it, and we want to know what you see, so that way you can be a part of the show, and yeah, you feel like it's unbiased, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it's just I don't see it. I know you don't see it either. No, I don't see it because what I see is in Rhea Ripley, not Nikki Ash. So yeah. I just hope that, like I said, this just better end in Rhea coming out victorious in this feud because there's no other correct uh, option, honestly, at this point. Yeah, uh, moving on. After that, we get a quick match between Omos and Reggie. Nothing really big there. Then we have the Street Profits teaming up with the Mysterios to take on the Dirty Dogs, Apollo Crews, and Commander Aziz. Uh, this was a pretty good match. Of course, I, I really like the Street Profits. I feel like, it was, speaking of athleticism and sport, they kind of play up the, the tag team really, really good. They're the, the quintessential tag team that you would see in wrestling today is Street Profits becoming one of the better tag teams on, on in the world. Yeah, and I liked at the end, because it was a good match. Um, it was. I feel like that was just one of those matches where everybody in the actual arena enjoyed it, and the people at home were just like, yeah, sure, why not, whatever. <laughs> and I loved how Ray had that, like, dad moment teaching Dominic a lesson of you can't really trust anybody in the Rumble. Yeah, like yeah, throwing him over. That's pretty neat. Which is like it's the truth because how many times have we seen alliances crumble and just disintegrate during the during the match? Because that's the point. It's not no, you can't have two people win. Right. You have to, you have to have a winner. So it doesn't matter if you're blood or friends or siblings or not. It's you're gonna get thrown over probably. And yeah, it was just funny to me because it's like that's. That's such a dad teaching his son lesson thing there. Like, it was funny. Yeah, you you almost saw it coming. You know? Yeah. You almost was like, oh, he's going to do it. It's like, he's do gonna, it. And, and, he, and he did it. And, you know, I, th- I think Dominic got the lesson pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. But that's pretty neat. We'll, we'll see what how that works out. You know what's going to happen now? Dominic's going to throw Ray over the rope of the Rumble. That's just how that works. You know, they've been kind of they've been kind of going back and forth on whether or not to to – put a feud together between the Mysterios. I don't know. It would be a little awkward to see. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah. You know, sometimes there are some times where WWE just pulls one out of a hat and they get it right. And yeah. you're like, wow, they actually got this right. So who knows? They, you know you, you know what it would, it would remind me of? It would remind me of when you were younger and you like went over to your friend's house and your friend got into an argument with their parents, and you're just kind of sitting there, <laughs> yeah. awkward as hell. Like, really uh, what do I do? That's literally what it would probably be like listening Definitely. to that. They'd like be arguing, and we're all just like, um, "Okay, that was that was weird. What do we? What yeah. do you say to that?" But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Not looking forward to it. But that Mm-mm. brings us to the final match of the evening, the main event, which was a really good one, and I had surprising chemistry between. Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. Uh, this was the the main event of tonight's show, and you know this was really really good. Like I said, these two had a surprising bit of chemistry, and you know what, Bobby Lashley deserves a lot of credit for his solid work in the ring. I don't think it, it's getting talked about enough. He's kind of solid in the ring. He gets things done. He shows off his power, but there's a little bit of of athleticism there that you don't see with the man his size so i think he deserves a lot of credit for his work in the ring that he's been putting up 
Yeah, he's one of those guys where when he goes into the ring, you know he's going to have a good match. There's no such thing as a bad match with him because, like you said, he is criminally underrated with how good he is in the ring. And this match was really good. Like, you didn't really expect it because you know both him and Rollins are good in the ring, but you just never really knew how they would, like, act in the ring together. But, oh my god, their chemistry was great. Yeah. And, yeah, the finish, I mean, we knew that was going to happen because you're not going to have either one of them lose going into their title matches. So we're not surprised by it. So it's like, it is what it is, but no, that match was a really good ending to the show to a show that was kind of, eh, that was a pretty good ending for it. Right. And then, uh, Lashley gets taken out by his former comrades in the hurt business, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. And as Rollins watched on the Usos came out of nowhere to deliver a double super kick, almost like hired assassins for Roman Reigns. You know, um, so that was pretty cool. And yeah. they, they chalked this up to, and you you hear a lot about it during uh, the SmackDown recap, but they chalked this up to it's rumble season. So, mm-hmm. you know, draft and brand split be damned, you know, uh, yeah. you know, which is, which is all fine with me. Um, but it was really cool to see the Usos just show up out of nowhere, double super kick Seth Rollins. And that kind of see that's the kind of wrestling stuff that you would see that to elevate an angle. It's to us, it's just like why can't they put that amount of creativity all across the board? Yeah, that would make sense. That's <laughs> that's just WWE in a nutshell, basically. Like yeah. why why can't you do this consistently? It only has to be like once or twice in a three hour show. In a three hour show, that's the craziest part. It's uh, yeah. we we invest three hours every Monday, and every Monday I'm just like, oh my god! And then it's a struggle to just retain information. Yeah, I guess. it's it, I don't I I don't know. I have to I have to do a lot of reading. I have to do a lot of YouTubing to just retain yeah. Yeah. stuff that happens uh, throughout the week in WWE. It's tough. It's it's too much sometimes. It's too much. It is, it is. But we move on to Tuesday, and Tuesday is reserved for NXT 2.0. And this was an interesting show. They uh, started the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup has begun, Mm -hmm. um, and it's become like a staple uh, of NXT, so it's good that they brought it with them. Uh, The Creed Brothers would clash with Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, Malik Blade and Idris Inoufe, uh, plan to upset Legado de Fantasma. And then we also have the main event of Walter. Oh, and I say that God. with a qu- and I say that with a question <sighs> mark taking on Roderick Strong. Okay, let's get it out of the way before we start Yikes. this whole thing. I'm I'm gonna just jump right into it. After the main event, uh Walter question mark gets on the mic and says the winner of the match is Gunther. Mm. And this means that Walter has changed his name to Gunther. Originally, it was going to be Gunther Stark. But yeah. that, that caused a little bit of controversy because Gunther Stark was the name of a German U-boat commander during World War II. And I'm kind of paraphrasing my history there. Yeah, basically a Nazi. I think that's a nice way to put it. It was yeah. it was a Nazi. And dude, dude was a Nazi. The worst part about it is is that I honest to God would not even be surprised if 
they just did what they usually do and they put a bunch of like first and last names on a board and like threw darts at them and picked the name and like yeah that sounds really cool without doing any prior research to what was actually the like background to that name because i get most people would look at gunther stark and be like okay yeah sure whatever it's like a german name fine even though walter's austrian but whatever we tend to forget nationalities and ethnicities in wwe but yeah i think the problem was it was i guarantee you it was literally just a lack of research on wwe's part which seems to be a recurring theme with them because you would think they're not dumb enough to knowingly give him that name with the context so i feel like again it was just terrible planning on wwe's part because good god really like really why why and and you're probably wondering well why the hell are they changing his name in the first place yeah i mean mean, walter when you when you see walter and when you hear the name walter you just get it yeah you're like someone's about to get their chest caved in right you just get it i mean gunther if he was originally introduced as Gunther, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's my theory behind it, and maybe this is some sort of silver lining. Okay? We all know that NXT 2.0 um, mode of operations is you're only there to get called up. You're yeah. going to get called up to the main roster. Mm-hmm. So my theory is that they see something in Gunther uh, yeah. that they say we can make some money with this guy. Once they see something money that they can make money with, they have to make it an intellectual property oh, of yes. the WWE. So the silver lining is maybe they see something, maybe they see a money maker in him and they, they can utilize him because we all know originally he wasn't going to, um, he didn't want to, joined the WWE because he didn't want to leave Europe. Yeah. And he didn't want to leave home. And it took a lot of coursing and convincing, I, I assume, yeah. to get him to come to not only come to NXT, but now be a mainstay in NXT with Imperium, which is still a pretty hot group. I still enjoy Imperium. I just think this whole uh, idea of the name change was kind of awkward because it came out of nowhere. And like you said, they didn't do their research to see what the hell they were naming this poor guy not at all and i i'm very surprised that walter even i guess i guess you can't even say that he let it happen because i feel like he probably didn't have a choice but that poor man my (laughs) god it it's like really why do you do these this to these people like perfect example though even just like character changes like you go from <laughs> Mei Ying to Wendy Chu, <laughs> where you go from this dominating supernatural like force to someone who can't seem to stay awake. And then you have a whole other facet of it where you have a character change and it's has potential, like Dakota Kai's like insane psychotic character change. And then you don't give her enough time to actually show it. Like, I don't understand why they can't just put this stuff together. It drives me absolutely insane. I mean, this is the the thing with NXT was, like, everything was always so fleshed out. And yeah. everything made so much sense. And now that they don't have the same creative people behind NXT 
2.0 that they did in in, in the original NXT. It, it feels like everything is a jumbled mess. And I similar think that similar it, to the main roster. Yeah, and I think the problem NXT 2.0's biggest problem is that they did way too much way too soon. They made mm-hmm. way too many changes too fast. If they mm-hmm. would have slowly started changing this over time instead of literally within the span of like two months, I think the fans wouldn't have wouldn't resent it as much because I get change. People don't like change. Understandable. Yeah. I didn't we clearly didn't like the change because we were so used to NXT black and yellow brand. Mm-hmm. But if you slowly started integrating the like NXT 2.0 facets into NXT, maybe it would have been a little more bearable. But to literally just flip it on its head within the span of a few months was jarring and people didn't like it because you just gave off the impression that we're just going to try to erase black and yellow brand NXT as soon as possible. And fans didn't like that when you had people who loved NXT more than Raw and SmackDown and you did that to their brand, their, like, favorite, of course they're not going to be happy about it. They're not going to, like, welcome NXT 2.0 with open arms. If you did it slowly and less painful, maybe. But you never gave them a choice, and people don't like when you tell them what to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, can't say it any better than that. Change is a little weird for NXT. You Um, could say. it It hasn't worked out because, like you said, it's just it was a it's a lot too fast. Yeah, you know. Yep. But might as well get into it. Uh, NXT 2.0 kicked off with LA Knight confronting Grayson Waller, but Grayson Waller serves LA Knight with a restraining order. <laughs> Funny how that works yeah. uh, in wrestling. So he gets the he gets the option either he can uh, drop the restraining order and face LA Knight like a man, or he has to take on. Dexter Loomis, who comes from underneath the ring to scare yeah. the bejesus out of Grayson Waller. Come back from commercial break, and it seems like Dexter uh, Loomis gets the opportunity to take on Grayson Waller, but he doesn't pick up the win here. Waller gets the win against Loomis by pinfall. Uh, this was a, an okay match. Um, Grayson Waller might be one of those things from the new era of NXT that I might like. Yeah. That I might have a tough time admitting that I'm liking mm-hmm. because I guess it's that he's the heel and he's playing a heel, a cocky heel, a little piece of you know what. Yeah. Very well. Yeah, he is doing uh, it really well. And I think that's probably the part of me that the the wrestling fan in me that likes that, that he plays that part so good. You love to hate him. Yes. Yes, and that, he does it really, really well. It's you do feel bad for Loomis a little bit though, because fat like rewind how many months ago where he was one of the big like focal points of NXT, and now it's mm-hmm. like gone. You haven't even yeah. seen his wife in a while. His wife's gone. His his like parents, his like <laughs> his father and mother in law are gone. Basically, like poor Loomis. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's like on an island by himself, you know? Yeah. With with no family, with no direction, uh, just kind of there, you know? Yeah, and it's a shame because it was entertaining. That, like, Gargano family stuff was really entertaining, and now it's nothing because the family, the way is gone, unfortunately. The the way is done and over with. They have dissipated, uh, and they are no longer. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He's kind of like, kind of in limbo, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's the that's, best way to put it. That's just NXT 2.0 in a nutshell, basically. <laughs> yes, definitely. Next up, we have a match for the Dusty Cup uh, uh, tournament, the Dusty Cup Classic. The Creed Brothers took on Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. I like the Creed Brothers. I think they're really cool. They yeah. are uh, interesting because they just like to go in there and beat the heck out of their opponents. And this was a pretty cool match because it was against two guys that love to fight in uh, Brooks uh, Jensen and Josh Briggs. So they got their money's worth. You yeah. know, this wasn't like a typical Creed Brothers match where they go in and they just dominate their opponents. They ended up getting the win, but it it was a hard-fought victory. It almost looked like they could have pulled away with a loss here, their first loss in NXT 2.0. Yeah, it was definitely physical. That's, that's for sure. And <laughs> like you said, it was way more competitive than I think they were expecting. And they could have easily had that problem of, oh, we're so used to squash matches, and when we actually have a competitive match, we can't hang. They they did. They really yeah. did. And like you said, they there were a couple times where it looked like they might not you know, pull away with the win there, but they did. And yeah, they just, they just love to beat people up. The Creed brothers yeah. just like destroying people. And that's, yeah, I think you could say that they're probably favorites in the tournament. I think it'd be safe to say. That'd be cool. Yeah. I would like to see the Creed brothers win. Cause this tournament is interesting. It wasn't, it's not like uh, the tournaments of past where they had maybe a surprise, uh, team in there mm -hmm. uh for you know anything like that this is pretty much all of the tag teams in nxt 2.0 no big surprises there um but yeah again the creed brothers end up beating uh josh briggs and brooks jensen they take on the winners of grizzled young veterans and andre chase and Bodie hayward which is another newcomer to nxt uh moving on dante chen Versus Guru Raj ends up being a no contest because Duke Hudson is back and he struck both men with no reason. Yeah, just, just because. That, just because. Just to say he's not a man to mess with. Um, we have a memorial service from Tony D'Angelo for Pete Dunne that gets interrupted by Carmelo Hayes and, and Cameron Grimes. This is very interesting. They are really kind of not only pushing Carmelo Hayes and the North American title, um, it almost feels like the North American title is, like Carmelo Hayes says, is the A championship of the show. Yeah. Is that kind of a good thing or a bad thing for the uh, NXT title? I mean, you always like competition because mm -hmm. there's always a clear secondary title, but it's also not very good when said supposed secondary title could be a little better than the actual main title that mm -hmm. people care about because if you're the nxt champion you are the face of the brand and if you're not the face of the brand that's not uh, a good sign so maybe like you said a little competition get braun breaker to up his game a little more and i wouldn't, wouldn't be opposed to that at all i mean oh. hell who needs we could use a champion versus champion match why not that's true that's very true I'm just interested in seeing, um, like, where does Cameron Grimes fit in? Because he seems mm -hmm. to be on a different level after his, you know, his feud with uh, Duke Hudson. So yeah. it's interesting to see where that's going to go. And also interesting to see what's going to happen with Pete Dunne. I mean, this was a memorial service yeah. for old Petey. And uh, uh, we're going to see how he's going to retaliate it with that. But the segment was pretty good. 
Um, It ended with Grimes smashing a picture of Pete Dunn over D'Angelo's head, which was pretty good. Because, of course, why not? If there's a picture or something in the ring during one of those, you know someone's getting smashed over the head with it. Right. It's a rule. Now, now I want to get your opinion on this. Ivy Nile of the Diamond Mine defeated Kaylee Ray clean uh, (sighs) by pinfall. I was not expecting that. I will be completely honest. That's um, why I asked. <laughs> because I've said before, Kaylee Ray is very underrated in the ring and just in general because she's just always solid. She's always dependable, always really good. Mm-hmm. But I think we know why she lost because we have to get the new stars to shine a little bit. But it's just like, God damn, you can still make Ivy Nile look good even with a loss. We've talked about it before, time and again. There's plenty of opportunities to, even in defeat, look very good. Mm-hmm. But, God, at Kaylee Ray's expense, come on. <laughs> why? Just why? Like, I don't get it at all. Well, the 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 positive side of this is that the main reason Ivy Nile won is because there was a distraction be, uh, caused by toxic attraction headed by Mandy Rose, who is the NXT Women's Champion. So they they had their eyes on Kaylee Ray, um, mm-hmm. and they you know they get run off by Kaylee Ray, Indy Hartwell, and Persia Parada. Yeah. But my reasoning is, well, maybe they're looking at Kaylee Ray in the main event scene or the, the title scene for the Women's Championship, which is a positive thing. I mean, yeah, I... <sighs> It's such a, it's a struggle for me because I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that, but I'm still kind of waiting for Dakota Kai to get her moment too, but God only knows if that's ever going to happen at this point. It makes me very nervous, but I can't wait for you. (sighs) Yeah. I'd like something good to happen for Dakota. Like, please. (laughs) I'm begging. Well, yeah, there, there goes that, but I was, you know, I'm interested in seeing more from Ivy Nile. Seeing mm-hmm. what she can do, she's kind of interesting because she kind of reminds me. She's kind of like a, a more cut up Layla Hirsch. Yeah, almost. yeah. You know that'd be Oof. a cool match to see Layla Hirsch versus Ivy Nile. Oh, that would be fun. That would be that would be so much fun because clearly uh, Layla Hirsch is starting to get onto another level. Obviously, we'll talk about that um, next when we talk about Dynamite. But mm-hmm. oh, that would be good. That'd be a good that dream would, match. That'd be an that underrated would, dream match. That would be good. That would be good. Uh, next up, we had a very surprising win. Malik Blade and Idris Anofe in the Dusty Cup Tag Team Classic uh, taking on Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza of Legado de Fantasma. Blade and Anofe end up picking up the win thanks to a little assist from Braun Breaker. Yeah. That, it was. It's almost like you feel bad for these guys that came in a little bit before NXT black and yellow brands demise because they're Mm. really lost in the shuffle. Just like think about like Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes. I mean, there's just a select few, I guess even just that were had been there for years where it's kind of like, they want to keep them around, but they don't really know what to do with them. I feel like Legato Del Fantasma definitely fits that too, because yeah, they had, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's weird. It's just so weird. Like, how do you talk about it? And to have them lose in the Dusty Classic, it's almost like, again, all right, we're going to have the newcomers take over and they're going to be like in the finals because NXT 2.0 and Black and Yellow Brand's dead. And it's almost like overkill at this point. Yeah. You could almost just tell that some 
2.0 team is going to win this because why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, on another, another on the bright side, it looks like maybe we'll get Braun Breaker versus Santos Escobar. Yeah, which could be good, and it's it would be for the NXT Championship. That seems to be the direction that they're going, and mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that. And again, like we said earlier with uh, with Gunther, uh, the the mode of operations is you're in NXT to eventually go up to the main roster. So yeah, that means we could see Legado de Fantasma in the future on Raw or SmackDown, and that would be a, an awesome thing to see. Oh, I can I completely agree. It would I, be a, I would love to see team. them come in and feud with like the Mysterios. Yeah, you know? yeah. Ooh. Just right off the bat. Yeah, that'd be good. That would be good. Uh, speaking of something I know you want to talk about, Dakota Kai versus Yulisa Leon uh, was... Yeah. Uh, it was okay. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Um, I figured because it's Dakota Kai, you want to talk about it, but it, it was okay. I mean, I feel like right now she's in the business of trying to break up teams, I guess. She tried uh-huh. to she tried to break up MSK and they just tried breaking these two up or, earlier, but um, it's just so frustrating because, like I said, you can see the potential of this character there. It's just give her more time to actually, oh, I don't know, use it, showcase it, yeah. and it's just it's driving me absolutely insane. And it's like we're waiting to see who her like women's Dusty Classic partner is going to be. That seems to be like where we're going here. And it's kind of like, you can tell what the storyline is. Like, who's going to be crazy enough to team with Dakota Kai? Well, is there really anybody? Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have any suggestions? Uh, It's so tough because it's like, you can't really think of anybody in NXT 2.0 to actually do it. So it's almost like, is there anybody on the main roster that could come down? Because they're clearly not opposed to bringing main roster people down when it's fitting that's true but even then it's like who who like i don't i don't know it's tough <laughs> it is tough their women's division just kind of weird right now it really is which is a shame because how many months ago were we saying that it was one of the best women's divisions in wrestling yeah it was definitely one of the stronger divisions yeah and now it's like what the heck's going on and i okay i will say i didn't know if we were going to talk about this so i definitely want to bring this up what the absolute hell are they doing with saray yeah that was kind of weird wasn't it i hate that they are literally turning and and you somebody can argue with me on this or not it's the honest to god truth because it's very very obvious why are you turning her into the stereotypical japanese schoolgirl? i hate that i hate that it's such a stereotype like I don't get it. The yeah. pigtails, the like schoolgirl outfit, like come on. You could try to argue maybe it's yeah, like a it Sailor Moon esque kind of thing, but it's a little too on the nose for a stereotypical Japanese <laughs> schoolgirl. And I hate that yeah. because Saray was good as she was. And for some reason, they just refused to use her. I think it might have been maybe the mental health thing was a problem because I think that's why she went back to Japan in the first place. She got a little homesick. Yeah, but even before then, or maybe it was when she was, like, right at the beginning of her NXT career, maybe she was still dealing with it. We Obviously, we don't know, because mm. we we don't we don't work there, but the, potentials, oh, the potential was there. 
But, How many? She had so many good. Ma- I mean, her matches with Dakota Kai were fantastic. They were really good. She had good matches, and then it's just like they forgot she was employed. <laughs> and then you bring her back with this. Like I don't get it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I'm interested in. I, I was just kind of caught off guard. I was like, wait a minute, that's Saray? Like, yeah. It, it. I was just, you know, like you said, it was completely overall look. It was a complete overhaul. And it was kind of just caught me off guard, but interested in seeing where it's going. And hopefully she can get back to the ring soon. Hopefully. Uh, the main event uh, at this point was Walter versus Roderick Strong. And man, did it live up to the billing that we thought it was going to be. This was hard hitting. And Walter, Walter, we already know, has the hardest chops in mm-hmm. all of wrestling. Yeah. He's probably second to Walter would be Roderick Strong. Oh, God, um, yeah. Oh, the noises. The noises. They, the, oh, it's just, yeah. it's always painful. It just, you have a visceral reaction to those chops. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something else. The, the match was great. I thought it was awesome. Um, and, you know, it just, I, you know, I really don't know what else to say besides it was awesome. Like, it was it just was. The, the wrestling that I like to see. Um, but we ended up getting Walter defeating Roderick Strong by pinfall with a powerbomb. And then uh, after the match, like we said, he gets on the mic and said the winner was Gunther. Sure. All right. Like, Mar- sure. <laughs> Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner uh, attack Roderick Strong, car- causing a furious brawl between Diamond Mine and Imperium. But again, the the story was almost that overtook the match was yeah. Walter changing his name to Gunther. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really didn't know this was a thing. This was a thing like a couple days before Tuesday, before the actual announcement, when they actually trademarked Gunther Stark. Yeah. And people were like, wait a second, that's a little weird. Yeah, like, what's, hey, don't do that. What's that for? And they mm-hmm. started doing research. But I didn't know that it was going to be for a name change for Walter. Yeah. Um, you know, which again, like I said, I don't, I don't see the, the reasoning for it unless no, it's for either. like intellectual property mm-hmm. that they want to have. Like you know, they want to, you know, make some money off of him when they when they can make merchandise or bring him up to the main roster or something like that. Yeah. But hopefully, it doesn't mean that anything in terms of his in ring style changes. And we can get the same hard-hitting matches that we're used to getting. I hope so. I really hope so. All right. Now it's time to talk about the other side of the wrestling world and all elite wrestling, AEW Dynamite uh, from Washington, D.C. And this one kicked off in a very good way. It's the return of John Moxley, who looks fantastic, I yeah. got to say. Yeah, he, he looks really good. He just looks healthy. I, I saw somebody tweeted a picture of a screenshot of the last time John Moxley was on TV and what he looked like coming out of the crowd. It looks like two different people. It really does. It's it's crazy what getting help can do to you because it's a mm-hmm. small it's like you think it's such a minute thing, but it really makes a big difference. It obviously mentally and emotionally, but definitely physically as well. Cause yeah, he looks better than he ever has honestly it's incredible and oh my god that promo was that promo was something else probably one of the better promos you hear of the year and it's already it's only uh january but 
Um, it was one of those promos where he he, he poured his heart out and he he, mm-hmm. he kept it real. You know, yeah. he kept it real. Uh, talked about dark clouds hovering overhead and talking about his uh, afflictions and all those things and, and how he had to get help. And now he's he says he's free and he's going to grab pro wrestling by the balls. Uh, and the only thing I drink now is blood. I mean, this is yeah. typical Mox. Typical Mox fired up promo uh, just going off the rails. But it, it was just great to see him and great to see him healthy. It really was, and his promo reminded me of uh, Punk's promo when he came back to wrestling Mm. in Chicago, where you could hear a pin drop in that arena. That crowd was hanging on to every word Mox said, and it was just, it was that eerie kind of quiet, but in a good way, where everybody was invested in whatever he was saying. And it was yeah. just, it's one of those special kind of promos and it was, it was cool. It was a good way to start the show for sure. For sure. For sure. Not only that, but a great way to start. It was the first match. We had a mixed tag match. Orange Cassidy teamed up with Chris Statlander to take on Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Uh, this was a great way to start the show. Uh, this was hard hitting on both sides, you know? Yeah. I gotta give it, both sides are hard hitting. Um, there wasn't no any stuttering or any clunkiness to the match. You would think because the men have to face the men and the women have to face the women, yep. it can get a little clunky. Uh, but no, this was pretty good. Uh, they both brought it. Uh, there was that interesting moment where uh, Adam Cole covered Britt Baker and mm-hmm. Statlander was just yes. like, screw it, I'm going to hit the 450 anyway. Yeah. And that was I thought was pretty oh, cool. God. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think about the match? So obviously I like joked the last few weeks of it, like torturing me because I love Statlander. I obviously love Baker and Cole and orange. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. of course you throw them all four of them together just to torture me. But I really was looking forward to this one. And oh my God, that was so fun to watch. That was just so fun because there was so much chemistry, not only between like Statlander and Baker, because we know they've had good chemistry. Like I said, their match from all out is one of my favorite matches of 2021. And mm. you know, Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole have chemistry together, but to see like the chemistry between like Statlander and Cole and Orange and Brid, like it all, they all have good chemistry and they're all just like making fun of each other and poking fun at each other. And it was just, it was so fun to watch. And it was just, there was no sloppy moments at all Mm. nothing it was just from start to finish it was just a great match and a great way to start the show off with like match wise and that ending poor brit she's not afraid to just take those kind of bumps yeah definitely uh cole and brit set up a table at ringside but unfortunately brit was the one that ended up going through the table and this ignited a rage inside of Cole, yeah. where he, through all the chaos and the madness and the referee had his back turned, she, he hits uh, uh, Orange Cassidy with a low blow. And then yeah. hits, uh, he lowers the boom, hits him with that shining wizard knee in the back of the head, and picks up the win. Then he goes to check on Britt. I, that's the one thing I was looking at. I was like, how long is it going to take him to go check on Britt after 
you know, f- getting the win. Yeah, he like he, certain. like re- like the ref lifted his hand and he's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And he just like went out and checked on Britt, which <laughs> yeah. was, it was funny. And honestly, and my God, for as much as Britt sold that table spot, Stylander definitely sold that Pittsburgh sunrise on the ramp. Yeah. She was out, like completely that- out. It was a great chaotic end to the match, and uh, Cole and Baker ended up getting the win over Cassidy and Statlander. Um, again, one hell of a way to kick off the show. Yeah, like, it was it was so much fun. Like I love that match. And now I wanted to get your opinion on this. This wasn't really this was a match, but it wasn't really a match. It was Sean Spears versus CM Punk. It lasted all of about two minutes with CM Punk hitting the GTS on Spears, getting the quick win. And wanting to get his hands on MJF. Uh, but I was expecting a full-on match. I was getting ready, yeah. really excited to see the two. But it didn't work out that way, did it? Honestly, because they hyped this up pretty well. Like on Rampage, Spears had that promo last week about how you're going to be... I'm the guy that you don't see coming, Punk. And, you know, I'm going to like take you out whatever and i was it's it made me excited for this match because it's like okay good these two are good in the ring we're gonna it's gonna be a really good competitive match i looked down to check my phone on something and i heard the ring or the bell i heard the one two three (laughs) and then the bell i'm like wait wait what what was i yeah it's so tough because i feel like they actually could have had a really good match so it was a shame we didn't get to see it right but I mean, we all know where this is going. It's leading to Punk and MJF, but it's like, could we at least have seen a little bit of a match? Yeah. Please? I'm not a fan of squash matches in 2022. No. No. I mean, especially a squash match like that. There are some that make sense. Mm-hmm. But that was, I mean, which we will, um, I'm pretty sure, get to uh, in a few segments where squash matches are actually good. <laughs> that was not one of them yeah that definitely wasn't one of them it didn't do anything uh and, and especially when mjf you would think mjf hits the ring cm punk doesn't see him mjf is going to get the upper hand and maybe attack punk and then get the hell out of there to, to but he doesn't do any of that no and in, but he does and he doesn't get his ass kicked either yeah he kind of escapes it so it was kind of like okay yeah. what are we doing here like sure this is this is fine. Like the match between MJF and Punk's gonna be really good when it happens. It's just mm-hmm. all right. We just need to get there already. Because, yeah, getting getting yeah. there is the key. Yeah, getting there is the key. But uh, uh, another thing I want to get your opinion on Cody Rhodes, uh, our favorite topic, <laughs> convoluted Cody, uh, <laughs> cuts a promo where uh, he equated CM Punk's pipe bomb promo promo from a decade ago. Uh, he said that it kind of laid out a path for him to create the forbidden door and laid out the path that CM Punk laid in that promo uh, almost a decade ago where he talked about working with other companies like Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Cody Rhodes says, I took that literally and I actually did it. So give give me all of your love and adulation because I will never ever turn heel. It was a very non. It was a very heel promo for a non-heel 
wrestler supposedly because i did all of this stuff but you guys i can't turn because you guys always cheer me so it's like it's it's a it kind of is playing into that pretentious like (laughs) i did all of this but i do it out of the love for you guys and that's why i'll never turn heel it's like they literally took the whole john cena thing and just made it way more obnoxious (laughs) which is the point because we know it's gonna happen right and i like how he i will say you, I think you, you're in the same boat as I am, where every time he gets a mic, I get very nervous. Ever <laughs> since that, like, promo with Anthony Yagogo made me a little nervous. And then he got the ladder, and I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to be another rah-rah, you know, speech, whatever. It honestly wasn't bad. Um, no. It was, I, I did like that snide little comment where he's like, well, Tony sent me a contract, you know, not the contract I wanted, but he's like, oh, I know what you said. I know what you were talking about there. <laughs> the fact that he's technically a free agent, which they said right. he's a talent free agent, but I think they said he doesn't have an EVP contract either. So he's literally a free agent of all free, free agents. Agent, free agent. Yeah. He so might sh- he, so yeah. you're saying he might show up at the Royal Rumble. Oh my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be insane. That'd be wild. That would be I, absolutely I, I, wild. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't either. It's, but but go ahead. No, it was just it wasn't it wasn't a bad promo. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it did its job of like yeah, I'm rolling my eyes, but that was like the point of it. Where again, it's just the pretentious like I did all of these things, but because you guys cheer for me every time, I'm not going to turn heel because of you guys. So it's like kind of throwing the blame back onto the fans. So it's right. Yeah, it 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 was fine. It wasn't right. Yeah. All of this was to set up uh, an eventual ladder match at Beach Break between Cody and interim TNT champion Sammy Guevara. This is going to crown the the real TNT champion, yeah. which I you know, I I kind of feel like they they thought that it was a good idea to put the belt on Cody and then they yeah. realized it wasn't. So then they were like, "All right, we'll do this whole interim thing." And then we'll make it right. I feel like Sammy's going to come away with the win. I hope so. It's just, it's so it's not, it's back to the whole convoluted thing. It's just weird. Like, why are we even doing this? Right. It. it the worst part is, it's like if it was an actual medical protocol, fine. But it almost kind of makes you think: was there even a medical protocol issue in the first place, or they just did this on purpose? Yeah, it's it's. Not that I'm saying that I assume that was the case, but it's just like, it's just this made it so convoluted now where you took the belt off Sammy just to give Sammy back the belt, just to have him fight for the belt again that he technically won, but doesn't have, but he's the champion, but not really the champion. Like, I don't know what this is. It's weird. (laughs) It's so weird. And now the fact that it's a ladder match, we know there's going to be something stupid that happens in this match because Cody can't help himself. He's going to like, I don't know, do a Cody cutter off the ladder onto like the barricade below or something. I don't know. You know what it is. It's like something's <laughs> going to happen that we're going to go to. We really need to see this. Oh man. That's, that's pretty good. Oh man. But uh, I can't wait for the match now. Now that you put it yeah, that right. way. It's almost now just like we're just waiting to see what stupid thing happens because that's yeah. just how this goes. All right. So moving on. I know this is definitely something you were excited for. The oh. Varsity Blondes took on the kings of the Black Throne representing the House of Black, Malachi Black and Brody King. And, uh, man, this was, whew, this <sighs> is something. Remember was, when I said squash matches can be good sometimes? Yeah, this was one of those. This this was one of those. I will say, 
obviously, as you and I are both card-carrying members of the House of Black, yes, we were excited for this one. And for before the match even started, that entrance was so damn cool. It was so cool. Like I could, I literally got chills watching that entrance. It was just so cool. The music, the lighting, the production of it. It just fits them so well. Mm-hmm. I, I could literally go on and on about it, but I mean, obviously I won't because we have more stuff to talk about. But then the match, those two have such good chemistry together. Almost to the point of you're waiting for the fact, you're waiting that at some point they're going to have a tag team title shot. They have to. How can yeah. you not? And, and honestly, that finisher. Oh my God. But, Dante's, in, Dante's Inferno. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, it's so... <laughs> it, it's just so good i cannot say enough good things about this i hope they get like kings of the black throne merch at some point for aw because i will buy it <laughs> um i did like the end i like on the entrance too how they how the um, they announced them as on like honoring the house of black right that was so cool it's like those little things i pick up on that i think are really cool and it's just those those two are just so creative and it just like we talked about it last week or we talked about it in the production meeting. This is what happens when you let insanely creative minds like Brody King and Malachi Black actually be creative and don't handcuff mm. them and just let them do whatever. This is what we get. And yeah. it's so damn cool. And obviously we're going to have a match with Pac and Penta at some point because that whole thing, that little promo afterwards. I was kind of mad, though, that he interrupted Malachi because... <sighs> He was about to tell members of the House of Black to stand, and I was getting ready to stand. <laughs> and then Pac has interrupted. It's like, whatever. But it makes you excited for that match at some point, because you know it's going to happen. Definitely. After but, the um, match... Um, oh, I was going to say, after the go. match, Pac appeared on the video screen and issued an ominous promo towards Black, warning of retribution for the Black Mist attack that blinded mm-hmm. him a few weeks back. Yep. So... um like you said, we can get a one-on-one with Malachi Black and Pack, or we can get a tag team match. It could be Malachi and Penta, uh, who were, uh, you know, he was a kind of a victim of an attack by Malachi yeah. the week before, and then that could be sort of the Kings of the Black Throne versus Penta and Pack. So Oof. there's a lot of things you can do there that a lot of people are looking forward to. And I didn't, I didn't really notice this right away, but I remember I touched about on this yes or last episode about how. Julia Hart was kind of acting weird, and we said that's kind of like the House of Black's like influence over her or whatever. My mom yeah. kind of noticed this, and I don't know if it was a really, really subtle, um, on purpose kind of thing, or it was just a coincidence. She's like, you do realize she was wearing black and red, and Brody King's gear was black and red. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well you know what Ooh. knowing malachi and brody i wouldn't be surprised if that was like on purpose but they are kind of playing into julia's just not being herself lately ever since she was misted so it's almost like what is gonna happen with her and we've talked about a female member of the house of black so it's almost a matter of time of somebody's gonna show up i would not yeah. be opposed but who knows we'll see interesting 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 well after that, we had a match between Lance Archer, who looks to be the the number one contender for the AEW World Championship, uh, taking on Frankie Kazarian. This wasn't a squash match like the match before, 
but it wasn't a match where uh, Frankie Kazarian got a lot of offense and it looked like he got kind of overwhelmed early and often. And then Archer hit the blackout for the win. Yeah. Now, after the match, Archer interrupted a promo by Lambert offering to send a visual message. He teased delivering another blackout this time onto a steel chair. Then Hangman Page comes out and makes the save, rocking Archer with his cowboy boot before trying the buckshot lariat. Archer cut him off, but Page fought out of a choke and sent his top contender over the top rope. The heels retreated as Page stood tall to close out the segment. So they're building up this main event scene. Archer um, being the new contender for Hangman Page's AEW World Championship, and they have him aligned with Dan Lambert at that time too. Yeah. This kind of it kind of makes sense because Jake Roberts can't always be there because yeah. of health reasons. Mm-hmm. So and Archer needs a mouthpiece, so yeah. might as well put him with Dan Lambert, the biggest mouthpiece of AEW. Um, so I kind of I kind of dug it. I was more into the after the match stuff than I was during the match stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, I mean, you know I don't really like Dan Lambert, but like you said, <laughs> kinda, he kind of needs like that mouthpiece because he's not really... It's kind of like a whole Brock Lesnar where it's like, don't really let him talk, just let him beat right. people up. And it still just even continues... It just blows my mind how over Paige is still with the crowd. And I think that's just because he's that good of a performer and he's he just has that sense of like genuine authenticity, I think, that endears himself to the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this whole thing with Lance Archer is going to be a con- like, like I said last week, a pr- completely different kind of test for Paige to like legitimize his title reign where you had probably one of, if not the best wrestler in the world in Brian Danielson and beating him is a big enough deal. So now you have to be someone who's basically considered like an unstoppable kind of force in a different right. way. So right. you bested probably the best technical wrestler. And now you're going to have to best one of the bigger, like or like best strongman kind of type mm-hmm. wrestlers. So for him to beat Archer is going to be a big deal. But again, it's going to be kind of a shame because Archer never can seem to really win the big one. So, yeah, it's a, the way, yeah, it's kind of tough the way you say that because Archer has had a lot of big moments that he couldn't come away with the win. So yeah, it's going to be tough on Archer. He can't he can't win the big one, but it'll do wonders for Hangman Page's title reign. Yeah, it it's going to be, and then it's going to be interesting to see where they go after Archer. Like, who's it going to be? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, I agree. Uh, moving on. We have a women's match, Serena Deeb taking on Sky Blue. This wasn't a really long match, uh, but, you know, Sky Blue's kind of new to wrestling, mm-hmm. so she kind of got outclassed by Serena Deeb, who's, like, been uh, a veteran for so long. Um, Deeb outclassed her, overmatched her opponent, repeatedly taking her down to the applause of the DC crowd before tapping her out to the Serenity Lock. So Deeb picks up the win against Sky Blue. I actually like yeah. Sky Blue. She, I feel like she has something there. Yeah, she seems pretty good. And over time, she's just going to get better. Yeah. But tonight, or that night, she wasn't, there was no way she was going to beat Serena Deeb. That crowd was behind her 1,000%. I think it's her hometown, I think. Yeah, closer to her hometown, yeah. So, yeah, they were fully behind her, and you could tell. And, God, she has gone to a whole other level since turning heel. It is insane and it's this like very 
dangerous woman that knows she's dangerous and can take you out in a variety of ways. I mean, obviously the woman of a thousand holds Mm -hmm. and it is just, and it complements her in ring style perfectly because she is so technically sound in that ring and almost flawless. She's probably one of the closest, like near flawless, perfect grapplers in the ring. And it's very hard to find someone that could actually like hang with her. Right. And so just adding the like badass persona to her, this like dangerous calculating, I'll just destroy you in any way I can kind of heal. It -hmm. works so well for her. It's just, it's going to be really cool to see who she goes after next, because obviously she is not going to be out or is going to be out for a while. So it's a matter of who she's going to go after next. I'm kind of interested to see that. Like she could go after maybe, I mean, her and Statlander could be a really good one. See if mm. she could overpower. Cause I mean, Statlander's starting to reach a whole other level too, I think. So mm-hmm. that could be like an unstoppable force meeting and a movable object kind of thing. Right. Um, her and Ruby, that could be her a whole Ruby clash of different great. styles. That would be great. Uh, Layla Hirsch. That would be fun. I mean, right now it looks like Stad and Layla Hirsch are kind of on a collision course because they kind of had a little bit of a um, an altercation backstage, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, an altercation. <laughs> well, Layla Hirsch laid out both. Uh, and don't forget, she laid out Red yeah. Velvet as well, too. Yeah. She laid out both her and Statlander, so... Yeah, Layla Hirsch is on a whole whole other level, too. It's kind of... I'm still trying to get used to it because I think she's still trying to get used to the, you know, like, heel persona because I'm sure she's been a face for most of her career. Mm -hmm. So you can tell that she's still kind of learning all of this because it didn't seem terribly convincing, that promo, right away. But again, it'll get better with time because, again, she's great in the ring. We've said it before. And I think it's just kind of like... It seems like her gripe with Statlander is just she's been costing her money. I think that's what it was. <laughs> like, you're losing me thousands of dollars. You're losing Red thousands of dollars trying to, like, turn Red over. And she's like, look, it was just a net mistake. It happens. And then Layla's like, you know, you always take her side. Of course, you're going to side with her, whatever. And I guess it's just you... I, I'm just trying to find the, like, main reasoning. It's just more or less, right. I guess, just you guys are distracting me. I just go out on my own kind of thing i guess mm-hmm. i feel like over time it'll definitely catch more steam so i'm okay with it i'd like to see another match between her and statlander because it was really good the first time so yeah i'm looking forward to that for sure because i'm glad that they're going to be giving the women another segment because we've been talking about it for how long that they need to just start giving these women more than one segment a show yeah i was just gonna say that how interesting it is that there there's more than one segment given to the women different storylines to spread out about the show yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to that for sure for sure for sure and then that brings us to the main event where sting and darby allen teamed up to take on anthony bowens and max caster of the acclaimed and this was an interesting match before the bell rang they took out darby allen leaving sting to wrestle the majority of the match in a handicap situation and Sting really delivered. I mean, this guy, I don't know what it is. When when the bell rings, he just can't help himself. Uh, you know, he yeah. just takes over. And that dive where he kind of clipped the table, I was just oh. like, oh, man. It made me a little poor, nervous, not going to lie. <laughs> poor Sting just, yeah, please, please don't hurt yourself, Sting. Um, 
But man, he really showed out and showed off, and it was pretty cool to see. And then Darby Allen comes out of nowhere, flying through the through the <laughs> rampway. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny <laughs> to watch him do that, where he just literally just uses himself as a missile and just flings himself at people. And he, and it comes at the most random time too. Yeah, you like never it, expect it. You never see it coming. You never ever see it coming. It was a. Uh, it was a, it was a, I thought it was a really good match and I'm really starting to become a fan of the Acclaim. I think they're a yeah. really good tag team, a solid tag team. Um they almost had the win the Acclaim delivered the mic drop to Allen, but Sting broke up the pin. He dumped the heels to the outside and then jumped off the stage and drove Caster through a timekeeper table. Back inside, uh, Darby Allen drove Bones into a turnbuckle. The heel exposed earlier in the match and delivered the coffin drop from the com- for the come behind win. So, Sting and Darby Allen close out the show with a win. Thanks to the coffin drop and the acclaim, all it's one of those things where, like we say, even though it's a loss, it's almost like a victory. You got the main event of Dynamite, and you're in there with Sting, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and you can definitely not. Um, there is no doubt how passionate Sting still is about wrestling, even at sixty two years old. Yeah, it's sixty two years old, so. Yeah, it was really good. It was good to see him. I mean, obviously, besides that uh, that dive still scaring us, um, <laughs> he did really good. And, like, yeah, it was a really good main event. And I feel like this kind of does end the feud between Sting and Darby and the Acclaim now. So it's almost like, what, what are we doing with them next? Mm. But I'm not opposed to – I'm not mad about not really knowing yet because it's Sting and Darby. It's going to be cool no matter what. So – who knows what's going to happen? We'll obviously keep tuning into Dynamite to see. It might be. I think Darby brought up uh, something about Andrade and the Hardy family office. So Yeah, that whole thing is confusing to me. The Hardy family office yeah. and Andrade and buying the services and then combining the two. It's um, like we already had enough factions as it is. Let's just take two of them and make them bigger because why not? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. But like you said, we'll just have to wait and see on Dynamite. This was a pretty strong episode of Dynamite. So on this heels of this strong episode, they can deliver something good. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. All right, so that takes us over back to WWE for SmackDown. And this was a Roman Reigns love fest. Of course. Because uh, <laughs> he now holds the record 508 days at the time uh universal champion which is a new record uh mm-hmm. congratulations to him he is unstoppable he is the tribal chief and uh this was uh they showed a little video package uh and then he gets interrupted by seth rollins the whole love fest gets interrupted by seth rollins the visionary said reigns has been catered to and handed everything then criticized him for sending usos to raw to do his dirty work for him. Yeah. So yeah. Roll- Rollins has this idea for a match in which him and a partner of his choosing would battle the Usos. We already know the partner would be Kevin Owens. Um, yeah. a-, a win for Seth Rollins would see that the Usos be barred from ringside at Royal Rumble during their match. Um, now, Reigns up the ante and said, if the Usos win, Rollins loses his title shot at the Royal Rumble. Hmm. And we get that little match for the main event with the little stipulation. Um, interesting little beginning segment. Like I said, it was a love fest for, for Roman Reigns in his 508 days as Universal Champion. And then we get a match where 
we get a stipulation for a match where it just changes everything for Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, do we really think that match was not going to happen? Make a lot. I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're not going to build up that match just for it to not happen. But again, this whole situation where Rollins comes over from Raw to take on Reigns because there's nobody left for Reigns to to face has been weird in itself. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's easy as I put it. I don't know. <laughs> and then uh first match of the night kofi kingston takes on madcap moss we all know how you feel about madcap moss so we'll keep it brief uh the baby face gets the comeback and he was able to put down moss with the trouble in paradise to get the clean victory so we move on to Aaliyah versus natalia <laughs> <laughs> these segments just keep getting worse and worse and worse they really do and i i mean i was I'm, okay i will say i've never been a big Aaliyah fan just never mm-hmm. really been my thing but i f- if i were her i'd honestly feel very insulted because it's almost just like she's so outclassed and out of her league no matter who she's wrestling that every time she wins it's just a fluke like she just got lucky mm-hmm. it's not like cora jade's level i guess where oh god it was it was never like cora jane felt like she what didn't belong mm-hmm she always felt like she could try to hang with like the best of them and then managed to escape with the win. This, it's just like, really? It's, it's just weird because again, they, she was on TV and then they all of a sudden are just like, yeah, you're not in the survivor series team anymore. And then she disappears for months. She comes back and I think it's safe to say Natalia has clearly been the better wrestler in these matches because of course, and then just continues to barely win. It's just, it makes her look so lesser compared to everybody else. And I get, I get the reasons Ailey needed to like, obviously to help even the odds because she's like the protector persona, apparently when they actually know how to use it and choose to right. use it. But again, it makes Aaliyah look so weak that she had to come help her. That was that was the thing. Like Xylee had to come to the rescue to save Aaliyah because she is so mm-hmm. totally out of her league. It's just it's so weird because it doesn't make anybody look good. It makes yeah, Natty look it makes Natty look like a fool because she's been like fooled twice now out of a win. She it makes Xylee not look much better because she disappeared from TV too. So why are people supposed to care? And it makes Aaliyah look like she's totally out of her league no matter who she's facing so it's like what is the purpose of this you're supposed to make your divisions look good not terrible mm-hmm. it's I don't know it's yeah <laughs> yeah I see what you're saying and it makes perfect sense it kind of makes Aaliyah look weak when they could they could be using this to build her up like it, it just makes it feel like Aaliyah's lucky to be there yeah you, you know if yeah, that makes literally. sense yeah that's literally it that you know it just makes her oh you're lucky to be here in the wwe so let's give you these fluke wins i don't know Mm -hmm. um moving on the viking raiders defeated los lotharios the viking raiders are the number one contenders for the smackdown tag team championships and then we get naomi versus charlotte flair uh this was an interesting match flair dominated early uh but 
you know, DeVille obviously had to make her way to the ring okay. and get get involved in a way. Um, but what did you think of this match? It was fine. Um, the thing that I I caught Michael Cole saying that, oh, Sonya DeVille needs to be, like, you know, punished by WWE, like, like higher-ups or whatever. This thing's been going since September. I think we're a little past the point of someone September. finally. Yeah, September. It's sad. So it's like, yeah, it's a little late, Michael, that someone's actually going to punish Sonya Deville for doing this. So <laughs> it's not, it doesn't make sense. But it's like, I don't know what more we need to see out of this feud because we have literally week after week after week after, okay, month after month after month at this point. Yeah. Sonya doesn't like Naomi and is going to do whatever she can just to screw her over just because. Okay, we get that. But at this point now, it's getting to the point where when Naomi finally does get her revenge, hopefully does get her revenge, it wouldn't be even surprised if WWE just drops the whole thing like nothing ever happened. But is it going to really have that big of an impact at this point where we've been going at this for months now? Mm-hmm. There's been no crescendo. There's no. been no climax. And I'm praying to God that this does not go to WrestleMania because it is going to be far too late to see mm. this happen at WrestleMania. It has to happen at the rumble, but it's not going to, because we know it's going to, something's going to happen in the Royal rumble where Sonya's going to come in and Naomi's going to be in there. And one of them's going to eliminate the other. No, you know how this is going to end. This is just like such a WWE ending to this. <laughs> Naomi's going to eliminate Sonya in the rumble. And that's going to be it. That's going to be the end of this feud, which is trash absolute trash and i would not be surprised if it happens yeah i don't know i it's like, like I, i've been saying from the beginning i don't understand what the beef is what beef uh sonia deville has with naomi but it, unless you explain it to me yes. i'm not gonna be on board because i can't get involved because i don't understand what's happening and it's been four months it's been four months of this stuff just pay it off already like all right we get the point yeah like, I, I don't know. It's, I just, like I said, maybe, just maybe. I think Naomi is in the Rumble, if I remember correctly. I think she mm. is. Okay, so we're not going to get a match between these two at the Rumble, and the next pay per view is WrestleMania. So, <laughs> we, this is, this is either going to end in a really stupid way, or we're going to wait until WrestleMania, and by then, no one's going to care. Literally, no one's <laughs> going to care. Oh, man. Uh, next up, Sheamus defeated Ricochet in a match that was, eh, no really big deal. And then that brings us to the main event. Seth Rollins and Kevin, o Kevin Owens versus the Usos. And this was another great match. I mean, the Usos can... Usos, remember how I equated AJ Styles? I said he could wrestle a wet paper bag and still make it look good. Yep. I, I feel the same way about the Usos. They can wrestle oh, yeah. with their eyes closed yep. and still have a great tag match they just really know how to get it done and this is but the the thing that kind of caught me off guard was the match was happening mm -hmm. reigns gets in there and gets the usos intentionally disqualified which means they get barred from ringside you yeah. know yeah so it's like kind of like why would you intentionally get the usos disqualified they they yeah. didn't have the match in hand but again mm -hmm. it was like why think, would you go ahead and jeopardize your situation? I think it might be, um, I think that might've been on purpose where I feel like it's very obvious at this point. Reigns does not stand losing. Mm. So I think he just did that on purpose. And I think that just adds more to him being just 
ridiculously drunk on power that he'll do whatever he can just to make sure uh, they don't okay. actually lose. But the match is really good. Like we expect it to be because yes. Owens and Rollins, again, great chemistry as a team and just as singles competitors in general, the Usos, like you said, can wrestle wet paper bags and make it look <laughs> like a five-star match of the year. So it's not surprising. And I'm honestly surprised how quick the fans are starting to get behind Rollins now because they were singing them his song yeah, in the I middle like of that. the match. It was cool. That was really cool. So obviously they're starting to like Rollins as a, I guess you could say more tweener. I think he's definitely more of a tweener and right. Owens, he's clearly a heel, but the fans still want to cheer for him. So just let them cheer who they want to cheer at this point, I think. But no, that match was really good. And again, the it was so weird. The main events this week for Raw and SmackDown were good. With everything else around, it was kind of eh. Right. Like, because I keep saying, like I say every week, they put all their eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, they put yep. all their creativity in this driving force in the main event and everything else is just like, well, it's just filler, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. But again, uh, like you said, both Raw and SmackDown had strong closings uh, to end pretty much pretty lackluster shows. And that concludes our coverage of SmackDown. So we go back over to All Elite Wrestling for Rampage. And this one was pretty cool because it was John Moxley's first time in the ring since October. And man, did he look incredible. Or yeah, what? he had no ring rust, no, barely not only, any. Not only his his in ring ability, but just his physical state. Yeah, he just looks fantastic he for does. a man that that went through as much as he went through with his uh, with his afflictions and everything like that, mm-hmm. going away to get help, coming back, and he just looks incredible. So he uh, really does. Big, Big up to John Moxley, who just, you know, I was surprised. He gave Ethan Page a little bit more offense than I would expect him to. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a I think that was a good thing though, because then it didn't make um I liked it because it didn't make Ethan Page look like an absolute idiot in the process. Yeah. That's because true. he's good. He really is good. So I did appreciate that they didn't completely just have him get squashed. Because Ethan Page is pretty solid in the ring and pretty dependable. Mm-hmm. He can have a good match with basically anybody. So I did appreciate that. I appreciated the whole he didn't tap out, he passed out. Because I think that when done correctly, that helps a wrestler because Paige looks strong. He didn't tap. He held on as much as he could until he couldn't anymore. So I thought it was a good match. It was a good setup too. And yeah, great match for Mox coming back because you would have expected him to have a little bit of ring rust, but nothing. No ring rust at all. No ring rust at all. He looks great. He must feel great. He must feel loosed. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens because after the match, as Moxley is making his way through the audience to leave the arena, Brian Danielson showed up and had a brief moment mm-hmm. with Moxley after the match. Cool. So that could be the next big feud for both of them. And what a feud that would be. Oh, that's going to be wild. That is going to be um, absolutely man, wild. That would be nuts. Um, next up, we had Trent Beretta take on Nick Jackson. Originally, this was supposed to be the Young Bucks versus Rapongi Vice, uh, but yeah. um, the match had to be changed due to COVID. I think Rocky Romero got COVID. Yeah, but he did. I, 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 I love this match because I feel like Nick Jackson is a standout in the Young Bucks where he can, if ever there was a time where the Young Bucks can no longer be a tag team, mm-hmm. he can stand out on his own and be a fantastic singles wrestler and this was a great match to show it 
Oh, I agree. And Trent has looked fantastic since coming back. I did notice, I hope you notice this too. Like when they all made their entrance with best friends, he hug Chuck gave like, like the, if you want to call boop. it a high five to, with orange gave stack, gave him a boop. And then Wheeler was going to give him a fist bump and he just like smacks him on the shoulder. So yeah. I'm like, what's up with that? Well, well, Wheeler's still probably on probation. You know, he's still, he's still probably the young boy of the best friends. Well, I guess. And I think they're kind of playing up the Trent thought that Wheeler was going to replace him in best friends, which is making me oh. very, very, very nervous that they might break up some portion of the best friends, which I really hope Ooh. not because they're so entertaining. Like, why would you break them up? Like, I didn't even think about that. I hope not because I've always said I want best friends to win the tag titles at some point. So no, don't break up best friends, please. <laughs> like they're so no. entertaining. Yeah, definitely entertaining. One of my favorite tag teams. And then uh, not only that, but Trent was able to hit what I call the crunchy. I like calling it the crunchy, which is what he used yeah. to call it in Japan. Yeah. He hits that move and he ends up getting the win over mm-hmm. Nick Jackson, which is what you would consider pretty much an upset. Uh, yeah, for sure. And that it is a big deal. And I like that um, Adam Cole was kind of like live tweeting it a little bit. And I think he was oh, kind of, yeah, and he was just kind of like, wow, when they lost. <laughs> and someone replied to him, well, you know, um, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish wouldn't have done that. And it's like, mm. oh my God, here we go. And it's like, and the plot thickens. <laughs> plot wow. Thickens, but. Yeah, we're we're still waiting for that to happen. But yeah, I was really surprised that he won because you again would just expect the young bucks to beat them because that right. seems to be the MO is the best friends always lose, but they didn't. So yeah. it was just it was good. It was really good. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. And then we have Hook, our favorite here on the Hook. show. Hook taking on Serpentico, and we all know how that went. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just Serpentico just got just got rocked man and then he puts him in a standing red room mm-hmm. like oh my god it was i don't know it was just it was an exhibition for hook it was yeah. easy easy goings just another day at the office and then he gets confronted by qt marshall who decided <laughs> to get in the face of hook and that didn't go over well because he ended up getting thrown on his dome and then yeah. walked over on I feel like that's going to be the first, I think, competitive match that Hook's going to be in, I think, because it's QT Marshall, as dumb as that whole, like, factory thing is, he is pretty (laughs) solid in the ring, so you know at some point Hook's going to have to have a competitive, it's kind of like the whole Jake Cargill thing all over again, where at some point he's going to have to have a competitive match, and we'll see if he can actually hang, which I think he could, because why not, because because he's Hook. I mean, it's Hook, but I will admit... Before you get into the next match, I was pleasantly surprised by the main event, believe it or not. I was just going to ask you about the main event um, for the TBS championship. Jade Cargill, the champion, taking on the Dark Order's Anna Jay. And this one was unlike other Jade Cargill matches where it went about 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and they had to actually have a competitive match. And it was. I am I will say it. I said I would be first to admit if I was... If it was a good match, it was really, it was good. It was decent. It, there were a couple spots here and there where it could have been better, but I think we're starting to see Jade finally get it a little bit. Mm-hmm. The mic, mic skills, no problem. We we said it before. She has no problem on the mic. Her look, obviously no problems with the look. Mm-hmm. She's getting more comfortable in the ring as these matches go on. So I'm glad to see that because 
again, we just didn't want to see the TBS championship turn into, well, the title's going to make the person. Jade, mm-hmm. we've said, can can believably make that title. And I'm glad that this match went well because it was hard-hitting. It was competitive. They both look really good. Mm-hmm. Hell, there were times where they... I loved how Anna Jay got the crowd on her side because there were plenty of times where it looked like she was going to win and I think the crowd wanted her to win. Right. And so that's a good thing. So both women look good. I'm kind of... I'm looking forward to seeing who steps up to Jade next because it seems like Jade's going to do like the open challenge kind of thing, which again, kind of the point because it's just like the TNT championship. So I'm glad they're doing that now. Wish it could have been a little sooner than two weeks after, but either Mm. way, I hope that they continue to do that because she can only get better with more experience. So keep having her do these open challenge matches and keep having her defend the title because it can only benefit her. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, It'll and in in the long run, it'll make her a better professional wrestler. Yeah, and she's already she's already coming in with high fanfare. She is twenty five and oh, so she's on a roll. You know, there's there's no denying that she's on a roll. There's no denying that AEW sees something in her, obviously, to keep giving her these wins. But I would love to see her in more competitive matches, just like this one, because yep. this one was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't perfect. There was times where it was, you know kind of wanted her to step on the gas a little but yeah. those are those are growing pains you know those are things that you would expect for someone of her experience level so yeah. more matches means more experience and better in the ring so you can't complain there yeah i can't complain either so she's getting there and she's we'll, getting we're, there. we're getting there <laughs> well that concludes our recap of aew rampage and we got everything we did raw we did NXT, we did Dynamite, we did SmackDown, and we did Rampage. So it leads us to our favorite segment of the entire show where we get to answer some of your questions. And I believe we have a lot of questions this week, do we? Yeah, we have seven questions, actually. Seven. Seven, yes. So we're going to start off with uh, Jeff's questions because he had asked uh, five of them. So we're going to go for it. All so, right. Jeff, thank you for the questions as always. So <laughs> this first one. Is with WWE seemingly going backwards with how they handle their women's matches, who in WWE would benefit more from leaving the company and going Impact, AEW, or basically any other promotion for that matter? Well, I know know you're going to say Dakota Kai. I mean, absolutely. I feel like she would fit in really well with AEW. I feel like she would fit in well really anywhere because Mm -hmm. she's just that good. Um. Honestly, I feel like Shayna too. Shayna could fit well basically anywhere. And it's annoying because we haven't seen her in how long? Yeah, where has she been? I don't Your guess would be as good as mine. I don't know. <laughs> it's frustrating me, but what else is new? So I'd say Shayna Dakota for sure. Um huh, who else? Who else? Um I'd say Liv Morgan, probably. Liv Morgan. Um, I'd say Io Shirai too. Io Shirai? Yeah. Um just think of other women on the main roster. Um it's so thin. Yeah, that's a problem. It's almost just like who's still there? Because I could say somebody and be like, oh wait, they got released. Um Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Because the is thing tough. is because the, the thing is WWE's main roster is just so like the main roster women are so paper thin. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. And it, and it shows in their creativity. Like 
it only goes towards Charlotte Flair, obviously, mm-hmm. and 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 you know Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch and the four horsewomen. And then when Bailey comes back, I I can't wait for Bailey to come back just yeah. so the fact that it's something different. Yeah, which is sad. It's sad that you're we're waiting for one singular person to come back because it's just going to be something new. Yeah. Because it's just, it's painful right now. It really is painful because we know there's so much more potential there and they just don't. I don't know what it is. It's it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. It's funny that he asked this because we literally touched on this during NXT 2.0. His WWE turns Saray into a stereotype for her new character. Her return videos seem like they're turning her into a Japanese schoolgirl or a Sailor Moon type character, which seemed kind of stereotypical to him. Yeah, that's yeah. I literally said the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, if if, if you feel it's a stereotype, I can't argue with you. I don't know much about that sort of deal. Um, you know, I I mean, obviously, I you know, I know a little bit, but not a, a, as much as you see the stereotype. But if yeah. you say it's a stereotype, it's definitely a stereotype. I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, I just was kind of caught off guard because I didn't mm-hmm. even know that was Saray. It felt like a whole different person. Hmm. Yeah. It just felt like a whole different person. I had to wait. I had to wait for a minute until she like actually showed her face. I'm like, oh wait, that is Saray. I'm like that that I got confused for a minute. It's uh, I hate when they do that. But we'll see. Like I said, as if she starts wrestling in that like schoolgirl attire, I'm gonna be really unhappy because she deserves way better than that. As long as they don't force her to learn English against her will. Oh god, I hope not. But that would be a WW thing to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um with the with the rumor that Raquel Gonzalez is in line for a main roster call up, do we think she's ready for that spotlight? I I think so. I think she's been ready for it because uh, she fits the bill of what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, I I've never really been a fan of Raquel Gonzalez. I've just never really mm. been I've never really gotten into the hype of her, I guess, is my thing. But Right. Yeah, I guess um well, it depends on if WWE likes translating the big and tall and muscular stereotype for the men to the women, because she fits that bill to a T. Yeah. So I think she should, just for the sake of they need somebody else new up there that could, well, because they don't have Nia Jax anymore, so they need a new powerhouse. big and tough powerhouse. Yeah, because you have Rhea, but she's too busy dealing with Nikki A.S.H. right now. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah why not put her on smackdown probably they could they could use somebody like that because why not yeah at this point like you said it's so paper thin on both sides they just need all the help they can get which is sad yeah but that's as usual from their own doing but um do we think wwe is refusing to bring up io shirai due to her age and the company's new and quotes policy concerning their women's division because she is 31 years old she's 31 and that's considered old yeah, which is sad because remember, if you're not 19 and blonde, then apparently WWE doesn't like you. But that's uh, that's that's. I mean, I knew about their whole age thing, but I didn't know 31 would be the one that like that'd be where the cutoff is, and that considered old. I, I mean, that's I kind of hope. I kind of hope not. I like I said, hopefully the rumor's just a rumor mm-hmm. because I Io Shirai is one of the best like women's wrestlers in the world so I'm not entirely sure what the hell's going on I really hope it wouldn't be one of those things where Vince doesn't see anything in her because we know like Finn Balor's an all-world talent and Mm -hmm. clearly Vince for some reason doesn't see anything in him apparently so 
I wouldn't even be surprised if um, that would be the case. And if it is, that's ridiculous, first off, because Io Shirai is another kind of performer that could have a, a match with a wet paper bag and it would look fantastic. So mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why they haven't called her up yet, unless they were waiting for her to show up in the Rumble and then that's like her main roster debut, I guess. It could be. That could be. I kind of hope, but it's just like they need to do something with her because just having her sit there not doing anything is ridiculous. Yeah, I and agree. I, it's, yeah. It's really like we say that about a lot of people nowadays, but. <laughs> Again, I, I think <sighs> these questions, because they center around the women's division, I think people are very passionate about women's wrestling. Yeah. However, WWE's portrayal of women's wrestling doesn't do anybody any favors because, again, it's paper thin. It seems that they throw all their eggs in one basket, whether it's Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair, Mm -hmm. and everybody else is just, well, you're just filler, you know? Yeah, it's it's annoying. It's absolutely annoying because we've seen how good the women's division can be. We know what happens when you actually give them the opportunities. I just don't know why all of a sudden they're just like, refuse that i don't know why they are so hell-bent on just refusing to give the women these opportunities because we've seen what they can do mm-hmm. i just I it, mean, <sighs> look at look at how how well Liv morgan thrived yes you know when you actually the, gave her the chance yeah granny didn't completely pull the trigger on her which what else is new but i don't i don't know it's <laughs> it's frustrating to me but um all right so this one i knew he was gonna ask because he had been thinking about it for a while so Stardom has an upcoming match for their vacant SWA championship between mm-hmm. uh, Mina Shirakawa and uh, Thekla. I hope I said that right. Um, Jeff might have to correct me on that one. Um, and Shirakawa wants to uh, defend it abroad. So mm-hmm. if she wins it. So would we think the company would benefit from giving her that belt and allowing her to defend the title as she wishes? And if so, what company should Stardom try to work with to make that happen? And are there anybody in WWE, AEW, and Impact we would like to see work with whoever wins that title? Um, I think I think now if you're going to do it, now would be the good, the best time because yeah, every you know the whole forbidden door thing is is a is a hot topic, and we're mm-hmm. gonna see how that plays out in 2022. I think 2022 is gonna be a big year for the forbidden door, so yeah. everybody should take advantage of it. As far as who should be going for that title i mean you know you look at i i'm always a big fan of people like diana perrazzo serena you know? deeb serena deeb is another uh, serena deeb would be fantastic oh my god mina shirakawa and serena deeb would be really really good that would be great and i feel like i feel like AEW is the type of promotion that could pull that off impact yeah. too i feel like impact doesn't get a lot of credit that it deserves i mean hell mickey foster- james mickey james i mean they foster a great women's division over there at Impact Wrestling. I know we don't talk about it at all, yeah. but they do foster a great women's division there that deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, so it'd be great to see Impact get in a little bit of that action. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all for any promotion working with any promotion. I'm a big fan of this whole Forbidden Door aspect. Mm-hmm. Will WWE get involved? I don't know. It'll. It's gonna... I think we'll see what happens at the Rumble if that whole thing with Mickey James is just a one-off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If they continuously use the Forbidden Door, then maybe we might have different answers in the future. Who knows? But for right now, just like we said, Serena Deeb, Deanna Perrazzo, um, I think Thunder Rosa would be a good one too. Oh yeah, Thunder Rosa would be great. 
so yeah, the possibilities would be endless if Stardom does let Thekla or Mina Shirakawa defend that title anywhere. It would be, it would be it, really good. It will only help their, their company because yeah, you know, um, Stardom is not easily accessible as, as he's not for me because yeah. I'm a, I'm a big like I need to be able to see it rather than see some. 480 pixel footage of it yes rather so yes. it's not as easily accessible so i've always wanted to get into more joshi style wrestling because mm-hmm. it's, it's my style and I, if the more the more i think about it the more i'm like it's more my style it's fast paced it's hard hitting yeah you know and, and it's raw emotion i i like that sort of stuff mm-hmm I do too, so I definitely want to try and get into it more. I know he's been sending us a link, so we still have to watch. I've I've seen a couple bits and pieces, and it, it's really good stuff. It really is. He definitely knows the kind of stuff to send us because he understands our um our favorite wrestling styles, and he mm-hmm. he's really good at sending us stuff that he thinks we'll like, and we do some of the stuff yeah. I've seen too. It's it's pretty cool. So. Yes, we do appreciate that for uh, sure. So, Jeff, thank you again for those questions. We always appreciate them. Thanks, Jeff. Um, all right. So we have mom's questions today. She's getting more adventurous. She's asking more questions now instead of one. Cause all right. She, I like it. She used to only ever ask one, but then I think I'm like, Mom, you do know you can ans- like ask more than one question. It's not that big of a deal. Like <laughs> We can literally, you can ask us 10 questions and we'll answer them. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. Yep. <laughs> so we're graduating now to two questions instead of one. So um, she asked, uh, should AEW let Moxley and Danielson go headfirst into a feud? It would be very hard hitting when they do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for that one. Oh, they're going to tear each other apart. We it's thought Hangman and Danielson was wild. Moxley and Danielson's even worse in a, yeah, the best way possible. Yeah, be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see that. Yeah, that one's going to be fantastic. That's one of those that it doesn't even need a title. Like no, those two are no. gonna be so crazy without a title, and that's that's yeah. the, that's those are kind of the best feuds I think too, where the title doesn't have to be on the line, and neither one of them even has to hold a title for people to look forward to it. And I definitely look forward to it. Hell, people were talking about just a stare down they had. Like that's when you know you have money. Exactly. So they'll they'll be getting into that sooner rather than later if AEW mm-hmm. knows what's good for them for sure. For sure. <laughs> and um, our final question. This was just one of her like wishful thinking kind of questions. And in a perfect world, I think like this would be really cool. Um, would Killer Cross and Scarlet be a great addition to the House of Black? Um I, I feel like know, if Brody man. King I feel like if Brody King wasn't there, yes. That that'd be kind of cool if Brody King wasn't there, to be honest with you, because then it would kind of be like malachi and killer cross are on an even playing field mm-hmm. like you know like one's yeah. not bigger than the other yeah but it kind of feels like with brody king there if you add in killer cross it's like killer cross is bigger than brody king and he's almost as big as malachi black yeah and then like powerhouse wise too mm-hmm. malachi is definitely the technical striker and then brody's like the powerhouse and, Car- and killer cross is definitely the powerhouse too so i think in the current state of the House of Black, it would be very, um, it would cause some tension, I'm sure, as to who the actual powerhouse would be of the group. Yeah. Um, in a perfect world, absolutely, yeah. You might as well just give them all the titles at that point, if that was a thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I feel like if Brody wasn't there, it would be a little more plausible, but I think in this current state, no. But it would be cool. I mean, oh my god, could you imagine, like, Father Cross going 
into the house of black like with a white face paint and a blacked out like mouth like oh, that, like well <laughs> the possibilities would be fantastic but that would be crazy <laughs> it would be and it's like you could give me all i would give you all of my money for it but uh in a perfect world but sadly i don't believe we'll, we'll see that <laughs> you never i mean but killer cross and scarlet and AEW, you never know yeah i would love to see get- it Hopefully we get to see what he's doing soon because he's been he's looking like he's still in ring shape. Ooh, he looks yes. he, he still looks incredible. So he's I'm posting those he's posting those videos too. Of, yeah, I think he said February second something's gonna happen. So we're gonna have to pay oh, attention. Okay, All I'm right. looking forward to it. Me but, too. Uh, mom, thank you for those questions. Thanks, mom. And I think we're all good. I think those are all of them. All right, we're all good. Let me just make sure. Yeah, we're good. All right. So, just to let you guys know where you can send in your questions, where you can be a part of the show, all you have to do is search us up on Twitter or Instagram. We're on Twitter at Ringside Rundown. Same handle for Instagram at Ringside Rundown. Give us a follow. Uh, we tweet out a question tweet every week, whether today is a special day because we're doing this on Sunday yeah. for a scheduling change. But usually we do this on Saturday. So, usually Friday is when we send out the questions tweet where you can drop your questions in uh, uh, under the tweet and let us know what you think about wrestling, whether you have an opinion, you want it voiced on the show, you can do so. This is as much as your platform as it is ours. We are mm-hmm. just the vessel. Yeah. You know, we're just the ones screaming into the microphones. Basically we're, we can scream your opinions if you want us to. And speaking of vessel, shout out to anchor.fm anchor.fm is who distributes this podcast all across the board to Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, um, thanks to Anchor FM, you can get the Ringside Rundown just by searching Ringside Rundown and hitting that subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. We go through this week by week, so uh, every week you'll hear our voices through the microphones. Yes, yes, and we always look forward to it every weekend. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, definitely my favorite thing of the week. Like I said, check us out, Ringside Rundown. Uh, like I said, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. If you want to check me out and you want to interact with me individually, check me out on Twitter at Wrestling Cron. That's Wrestling C-H-R-O-N. And I also Twitch stream Monday through Friday. Check me out twitch.tv slash Eric the Ghost. Shay, yes. where can they get ahead of you? Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at ShaylaneHickson21. And I also Twitch stream. I actually finally had my first like stream back last thursday and it was it was fun it was a good time uh at shay underscore hickson 21 check me out check eric out his streams are always a good time too um thank you thank you i would i was starting to go into valhalla again but i think i've played it so much off stream now that i kind of can't go back to it so we actually started (laughs) back uh jack 2 which is one of my like favorite games of all time so nice so if anybody knows Jax 2 and would like to come watch me play it again just for the nostalgia, uh, you know where to find me. There you go. Check her out. Check her streams out. They're always a good time. Uh, and if you check me out, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Uh, so that concludes today's episode. For Shay, my name is Eric. We'll check you next week for the Ringside Rundown podcast. Have a good one, guys. See you next week, guys.